everyone, and welcome to episode 350 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? Hey, Seth. Recovering from a whole weekend of worlds. Like, literally everyone had worlds this weekend. Magic. <laughs> Leads. <laughs> worlds. <laughs> I got a... I got to say, I was a little jealous because there were some tweets from, was it League of Legends Worlds going on this weekend? And they had like, so, uh, like uh, Nas and like super famous, like musicians making songs about them and videos about them. I was like, oh, come on now. Like, why? Why don't we have that in magic yet? Like, please, please. Like, it was still sweet, but I was definitely a little jealous of uh, League of Legends World, which just has such crazy production values. But anyway, before we get into that, we got another co-host in Grim. How's it going today, Grim? Uh, it goes. Yeah, quite a quite a packed weekend. I went from not knowing anything about worlds to well, getting uh being able to watch a decent amount of it. Well, the like top eight. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't watch as much of worlds as I intended to because I kind of fell down the Squid Game rabbit hole and started Ooh. watching that. So so I had some uh, some Squid Game action going. I still got to catch some worlds, and then there was also a big uh, a big Bills game last night. Although that was after uh, after the worlds ended, so I didn't watch as much as I planned. I thought I was going to watch a lot more of it, but I did get to catch some of it. And I gotta say, and I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but it was a pretty sweet tournament, like uh, overall. And that's going to be one of our big topics for today. Actually, we're going to talk a lot about worlds. Going to talk a little bit about something Mark Rosewater shared about Ixalan that's kind of interesting. Answer some fish mail. So before I get ahead of myself and start rambling about worlds, uh, that's the overview for the cast. And I got a reminder for you that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And Card Conduit, you've probably heard about them from us before. They are an amazing way to sell your magic collection. And they're offering a new service that's geared towards selling smaller batches of valuable cards. Uh, and with this curated shipment option, like all of Card Conduit services, you don't got to sort your cards. You don't got to grade your cards. You just safely package them up and ship them out. And you'll get a detailed report with the results. And you can check out Card Conduit's curated shipment option as a way to buy list up to 150 cards with fast processing and optimized prices. And you can try it out right now for free. For the month of October, you can use the code SCOOPS over at cardconduit.com slash goldfish. And they are going to let you use the curated shipment option without paying anything at all. No fees at all. 100% off. Uh, so thank you for Card Kingdom for supporting the show. And they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. And this is a great time to do it by using that code. So huge shout out to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And I guess let's just jump into it and start talking about worlds. So first off, what do you think of worlds? Well, I mean, okay, if we're talking from a deck point of view, uh, worlds was kind of what I thought it would be, right? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. from a deck point of view, wow. Uh, so it turns out our runs epiphany is pretty good. Uh, Goldspan Dragon, still pretty good. So yes, but from a narrative point, uh, I actually, thought they did a great job uh like by kind of like talking about like like a lot of the like the top eight players were just it was really cool to follow their journey and see how it all went down for them like seeing andre strosky start off at seven and oh was pretty sweet right and then but most importantly i think it was like super cool to follow yuta takahashi and see how he did and you know for him to win the whole thing after going oh and three in day one that felt like for the first time, I felt like in Magic Esports, some odd reason that that narrative just felt really cool. Like it actually felt like I was finally watching, I don't know, uh, the, the whatever, the Michael Jordan or whatever big buildup, kind of like wrestling, how they have like build up for all their their wrestlers and stuff. And for the first time, it felt like that with Magic. Yeah, it's definitely cool in these smaller tournaments like Worlds where there's only 16 players that there is a lot more time to focus in on the stories of the individual players. Like sometimes that gets lost in the shuffle when you have, you know, 500, 1,000, 3,000 people playing and people are going up and down the standings. It's hard to focus in on, you know, the stories of the individual sometimes. But I feel like Worlds in this Worlds was a great opportunity for that. And they did a really good job. And there were some really good narratives to come out of it, despite the Elrond's epiphany heavy meta. Richard, what did you think watching this weekend? So I was actually shocked by the number of people watching. I think we peaked at like 50K, like maybe just a hair under, which 
in my recollection, that, that's a lot, right? Like that's, we haven't had tournaments yeah. have that much viewership in a long time. Um, so that was impressive, especially given all the other esportsy things happening this weekend. That makes it even more impressive. It's not like it was a dead weekend and no one had nothing to do. Uh, but, you know, I watched basically all worlds except limited. Uh, they, they couldn't they couldn't hook me in for limited this time because I'm done my <laughs> limited playing. Like I, I've finished grinding on arena. I'm finished. I don't need to know any more about this. Uh, but I think the big story was Goldspan Dragon. Like everyone what? forgot about Goldspan Dragon. They're like Alrin's Epiphany. They're like, how about Mono Green doing? What about like Mono White? Mono White kind of had a little, you know, had a little spark uh, coming into the tournament. Uh, and then Goldspan Dragon's like, look. Two mana after dropping my threat, pretty good, right? Ramp me up into some more Alrin's Epiphanies, pretty good, right? And people kind of slept on it, if that's even a thing. Like, we all knew Goldspan Dragon was good, but, you know, the hype around it was was not there and uh, came out in full force. You know, the Dragon decks, uh, people who played Goldspan Dragon with their Epiphanies seemed to do really well. Um, and And yeah, so at the end of the day, uh, weirdly enough, we had like two two strange decks. We had Teamer Treasures, which is a cute name for saying Gruel Splashing uh, Blue. <laughs> and then Is It Dragons? So not kind of the decks that we thought were going to be in the finals. Uh, you know, but then, you know, the rest of the field was what you expected. All the Epiphany decks, uh, all the green decks, and then white decks. Uh, nothing outside of that. Uh, so it was kind of all the decks that people were expecting to come in a tournament um, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty fun tournament. Lots of good games. Yeah, there were definitely some really interesting games. And I, I think it is interesting that the Dragon Build visit is what won, because that's something that I'd actually, I had mentioned last week that I felt like the plan of like copying your uh, epiphanies was kind of a little bit against the odds-esque. Uh, just like, it seems so janky to be like, oh, I'm going to get to like a million mana. I'm going to, you know, Galvanic Iteration and then copy my arms a bit. That sounds like something I do for against the odds. And I was thinking, well, what if you just play good cards? Like, what if you just well, play good cards instead well. of these like janky spell copying effects? And it seems like in the end, it was, you know, replacing the spell copying stuff with actual threats like Goldspan Dragon, which is just like a powerful standalone, you know, mid-range threat that ended up carrying the day in this tournament and letting the dragon's deck overcome all these other style of more spell heavy uh epiphany decks so i think that was uh that was really interesting what do you think about uh, the meta so i mean i'm looking at the numbers now we got over on the site mtgofish.com you can see all the the breakdown of the meta game and whatnot but we have alrin's epiphany 62 percent of the decks were playing epiphany and you know expressive iteration 56 percent there's uh, definitely a huge push towards is it or is it splash style decks like that is the foundation of this tournament how much of this carries over to the real meta. Like, do you think looking at this, uh, this is just a world's thing and it's a small sort of inbred meta to some extent where everyone's fighting against what everyone else is doing and you kind of know what each other's doing? Or do you think this is what we're going to see on the ladder on a reader or on Magic Online or at our FNMs? Are we going to see 50% of decks plus playing Alrin's Epiphany? Yes, 100%. And now that it's a world's winning deck, I think it finally got the seal that the card might be good. <laughs> and along with the whole archetype. It's it's going to be around unless it gets banned. It's going to be around for quite some time. I, I think it's just incidentally good. Like it's good. But to me, the winner of the tournament was expressive iteration. Uh, that card did so much work. It's basically two mana. Uh, look three deep, draw two. Right. Like that's essentially what this card is. It's what carries you into your Alrin's Epiphany to finish the game. Or it's what carries you into Goldspan Dragon. Uh, and so, like, these support cards for blue this round are pretty strong. And then so it's just natural that when you have so many strong support cards, you take an extra turn. Why not? Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think Epiphany is here to say, like, how do you fight this? We already saw people try to fight it, right? Like Teamer, Mono Green, Mono White. They weren't too successful. Like, it just felt really bad like you felt for the players like oh you know they're they're doing stuff they're winning you know the 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 is it players down to like one life you know you're, you're just almost there you're still at 25 life and they're just like all right i cast fork 
I cast Fork again. I Alrin's Epiphany. I have 18 damage and birds. I kill you, right? Like just out of nowhere. So it's a it's a combo finish and it feels really bad, but like that's what people are doing. So I, I expect to see that happening. There's the only way to interact with it is counter spells, but when they're copying their Alrin's Epiphanies, you need to have just as many counter spells, right? You need like three counter spells or whatever, two counter spells to deal with this. So it's it's pretty tough. So I expect this to be the meta going forward. Uh, maybe we get a little more aggressive or more controlly or something with our 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 is it builds. But I think the the is it core is just really strong. So that will be that will be the base of the decks. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I think that's probably likely. I don't know about sixty two percent of the meta. That's a pretty high number. Then I'm not sure. I would see carrying over to like the ladder or whatever. Uh, hopefully it doesn't because that's just that's a lot for any one card, uh, especially, you know, something like Alrin's Epiphany, which isn't, you know, a, a consider or some utility spell that shows up in a ton of different decks. This is like the big payoff for a bunch of different decks. So hopefully it's not quite that high. <sighs> is it a good meta? Like, let's assume that we do see a meta something like this where Epiphany is at the top of the format. There's kind of a conversation going on on Twitter as the tournament was happening with people talking about, okay, we got to ban Epiphany or no, we don't have to ban Epiphany. Like, are, are we at that point? Are we having this conversation about bannings already? Or are you more in the camp of, we got another set that's coming out in, I think, less than a month now. It'll be live on Magic Arena and shortly after that in paper, are we just in wait in C mode? And is the wait and see mode even going to matter? Is there something they can make in Innistrad Crimson? valve that's going to suddenly shake up the meta to such an extent that the is it x are no longer dominant so where do you fall on that debate that's been happening the last couple days i i just don't know what could get printed that all of a sudden makes our end epiphany ban <laughs> like there are obviously things that could happen but it just doesn't seem likely so i don't know i mean it looks like it's here to stay until something either a gets banned or or I mean, what makes whatever gets printed and is somehow better than Epiphany is scary. Yeah, I guess I guess that's a concern. Is it a better meta? I don't I, I don't. Is it a fun meta? As of right now, I don't think it is. It, it it was when, you know, the set was new. There's hype and all that stuff. But right now, I, I'm just not a fan of where standard currently is. However, I mean. I, like that's that's why I've just been like delving into more historic just because that seems to be more fun and our run's epiphany is too slow there yeah I mean uh, do we really want to be at that point already though like we just had rotation like I think that's a good technique and that's my technique too I'm not enjoying one format I play another format but we're a month after rotation it's a little concerning that some players might already be shying away from standard because of the meta that soon after rotation, or maybe maybe that's just how things work in 2021 in the age of arena and how fast the meta develops and is solved. Maybe maybe that is as much as we can hope for is, you know, a month of a fresh meta before we kind of move on to the other things and wait for another set. Well, what do you think, Richard? So there's always a best deck, right? And there's always a best card in standard. I, you know, does that mean it should be banned? I I don't know, right? Like to me, Alrin's Epiphany is just a a combo finish, and people are just very salty over it, right? Like I don't know, there, there's something salt inducing about having your opponent take multiple turns, right? But you know, you're 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 playing basically essentially seven mana, right? Maybe six to take an extra turn. Uh, you know, that's your bomb, right? You should kind of win when you get there. So to me, the problem with the deck is the the cards that actually make you get there, they're they're too good. Uh, the learn cards are good. Uh, expressive iterations too good. And then so you know, like just go to any other standard. Like if you just slammed a Titan or something there, right? There's more counterplay. You can Wrath or something after Titan. There's no counterplay to Epiphany. But essentially, the control deck just makes it to eight mana. They win. Like is that really bad? Like I, I don't know. I, I think that's fine. It's just. They're able to consistently make it that far easily. That's the problem, right? And our, our aggressive decks aren't aggressive enough to actually take them down. So I, I'm fine with Epiphany. I don't know. If we need to balance the decks, I'd rather balance like Expressive Iteration or something like that. Uh, because like a lot in a lot of the matches we saw at Worlds, people boarded out their Epiphanies, right? Like they're like, I don't need Epiphanies. 
right? I'm just going to load up on removal and I'm going to sit there and play control without even using epiphanies at all. And that, that was enough, right? Um, so I would consider other cards in the deck, like maybe even the dragon, right? Or expressive iteration or the learn cards or something like that. That shell is just very powerful and epiphanies just riding the finish. I, I fully I think- agree. I, I, I think that yes, there, there is a, there's usually a best deck, right? But the thing here is this pattern of extra turns is just not what you like to see in your game. So I think it's the pattern of play that's a little problematic. And even if it's not, even if it weren't, it's not that it's like the most powerful thing in the entire world. I think the biggest thing here is that it's what it keeps out, right? Like it, you can't play a mid range deck. Like it, that, so that's my current issue with it. Like this whole shell is very powerful. Uh, but it just keeps all. Like, I can't just play a fair Rakdos mid range. I can't play any kind of fair deck. Is it because you I can't thought seize it? Well, you can't thought seize it. Yeah. It's hard. Like, is and that you can't the, like the test difference? of wills it. Yeah, yeah. Probably that that like you can't rip it right from anywhere. It just it's always going to be there, and you can't do anything about it. It is hilarious that Fortel is so relevant there when it's kind of like not the most powerful mechanic in most of the other cards, like. There haven't been, uh, you know, a ton of crazy foretell stuff going on, except for Elrond's Epiphany. And with Elrond's Epiphany in specific, being able to foretell it is really huge. Like, I've noticed that as well, that it's, uh, like, Duress, you would think would be great against, uh, like, the Is It Epiphany deck or the Grixis Epiphany deck. But a lot of times it's kind of meh. Like, it's not horrible, but it's definitely not, you know, the Thought Seize level answer that you would expect from Historic or Modern or something. Because it's so often hanging out in the Exile Zone. Yeah, I I don't know. I I don't know if I'm in favor of having changes at this point. I think if we were waiting until January and it was the old set release schedule and we weren't getting another set for three months or four months, then I might be more, you know, itching for something to change. But as it is, because we have another set coming out so quickly, I'm kind of willing to just wait another month and see what happens. I'm a little bit with Krim in the sense that it's hard for me to imagine this Is It Shell suddenly getting way worse. Like, I don't know what Wizards could print that is going to make the Is It Shell not good. Uh, but I am willing to wait and, like, take the chance and see. I think you also had a really good point about the support cards, Richard. But uh, I don't know. Elrond's Epiphany is just such a feel-bad. And extra turn spells at this point, uh, post-Nexus of Fate, just have such a bad reputation and are so disliked. Even though you're probably right that the best way to power down the deck would be hitting the card draw, hitting an expressive iteration or whatever, some something like that, hitting Goldspan Dragon. I imagine that if it does come down to it, they're probably just going to ban Epiphany because I think there would be a big freak out if they announce bannings and it's another is it card and not Epiphany. Like just imagine like the Magic Arena subreddit that day or whatever. Like people would be freaking out because people just really don't like the play pattern of extra turn spells. So I kind of think that if something does change eventually, it'll definitely be epiphany just because of that all right i posed you guys a question is there a control finisher that is not salt inducing people weren't happy with nexus of fate right that's the same that's extra turns i get that right wilderness wreck right we didn't like that uh teferi big fairy no one no one like that either i I liked it okay you liked it (laughs) what what about what about like morphling etherling are those still versus like love struck pearl lake ancient was good <laughs> oh, uh, oh pearl lake, but did people actually play that in general or just in control mirrors yeah, in, oh in in for control decks yeah and then of course there was blue black that just used ashiok three mana ashiok and like perilous vaults creature lands like there's all it's just extra turns i think extra uh, turns is what makes it miserable so we want so like ojutai like basically these like creatures that cannot be interacted with basically is what the control well, finisher should be i mean i actually think you have a good point though richard as you talk about it like i think that people get salty about control period <laughs> the people that are most salty about is it are just salty about control but, because people like their spells to resolve or whatever so i think to some extent maybe people are misdirecting their rage a little bit too much towards epiphany when actually what people are feeling is 
I don't like having all my spells divided by zero and all my stuff die the turn it hits the battlefield. Really like the same play pattern and then you win with something else. I bet people would still be complaining. Although I do think the extra turn spells are like their own special kind of salty, like even more so than those other finishers. But I do think people would be so like if the same is a deck without epiphany was 50% of the matter or whatever. I think you'd still hear people complaining about it. I mean, I, I think like the fact here is that our runs epiphany is good enough to make mono white splash blue. <laughs> so, yes, so like it, it's, I don't, I don't care if it's a control meta clearly. I mean, I don't care if we sat around cause like, you know, playing through the cobblade mirrors, right? Like all of that's fine. Fairies mirrors. There's lots of tempo slash control decks that have existed through its time. And I, for me, that's not the problem. I've just always had a problem with extra turn spells. So I don't know why they continue to make extra turn spells, I guess. I would be surprised if they did continue after this. I think after Alrin's Epiphany, I bet we see a break for a little while, at least in standard. Probably show up in like commander or whatever supplemental sets, but I don't think we're going to see another extra turn spell in the in the short term future in standard. I so, really hope we don't. I'm sure we're going to see it. <laughs> I, I'm sure Wizards has decided that they fixed it and then Magic players mm. will find some way to break it. Uh, because did, I am pretty sure did they did not intend it. Epiphany to be a standard staple. I am like 99% sure they did not intend it to be so. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's, I, they definitely didn't intend uh, Nexus Fate to be a standard staple. <laughs> they were pretty, pretty <laughs> clear about that, and that ended up breaking the format. So, so let me ask you, you're going to play standard this week. You're going to your FNM. You're playing on the ladder, whatever. You don't want to be the dirty Epiphany player. What do you play? Like, what what deck do you, you play to try to have a chance to fight against a meta that's going to be very full of Elrond's Epiphany over the next couple weeks? The blue-white deck. the Or, I mean, the, uh, like, Azorius Tempo deck. It's really good. I mean, having main deck, you know, like, Hermits, I mean, yeah, sure, the backside makes stuff uncountable, but the front side of it is, like, the pay one, make them pay three, right? Like, Hermit is very good. And I've also really liked Hermit through, well, I guess, a multiple uh like a bunch of formats really so i i think it's you can apply pressure you can get underneath a lot of their nonsense uh so yeah i'm a fan i just play mono green i haven't been having too much trouble with epiphany deck you just load up on snakeskin veils right and you (laughs) kill them before they can epiphany uh, so I, I don't feel it's like unbeatable like i feel there there's ways to alter your build uh, to take care there, of this, you throw in some Toskies, you just like draw a full group of cards. Like there, there are ways that- to get around it. Like they're, they're a bit slow and dirtily. So you just got to watch out for their like uh, galvanic iteration removal. Uh, so like Snakeskin Veil does a trick. Is that not problematic though? Like, oh, like, okay, well, we pretty much all have to get under it now. Essentially, I mean, who's gonna out control a control deck, right? <laughs> like, yeah, you gotta get under mid-range, it. But mid range decks could exist before and fight it. Oh, that hasn't existed for a long time, Crim. <laughs> what? No. What's the last time a mid range deck could trump a control deck? Like, I mean, Dragtus Days? Saltai, Saltum, Saltum was pretty much that. Would you call that a mid range deck? <laughs> I, w- I, would. I always kind of thought of it as more of like a ramp combo deck, personally, but eh. <sighs> Yeah, I think I, I think you're right that it's not unbeatable, but I think you also are going to have to plan, have a plan for it. Like, you got to know going to your FNM or going to the ladder that you're going to play this deck quite a bit. Like, yesterday I was trying to, uh, to do some recording for an upcoming video, and I played three Epiphany decks, and then I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to record another Epiphany match. If I run into a deck that, you know, shows me the isn't mana or whatever, I'm going to assume it's Epiphany. I'm just going to scoop because I don't want to just have a video that's five matchups against Epiphany. And then I scooped like four more times in a row, I think, before I hit a non-Epiphany matchup. So you're certainly going to play against this a lot. I think another Dark Horse is we have seen some Demir control decks. They didn't show up at Worlds in specific, but in a lot of the SCG qualifiers that have been going on, people have been posting really solid records with Demir control that is not playing Elrond's Epiphany, like more traditional non-extra turn control that's using like Xanathar for a finisher, using Leer as one of the finishers, and then just overloading on like all the removal, all the counter spells, and just trusting that you got the removal for the green decks and the white decks. You got the counter spells to deal with the Elrond's Epiphany decks. So I think that might be the other way to go. Maybe there is a way to actually out control the control deck to some extent. We'll see if that actually holds up, but I think it's got to be one of those two options. I don't 
really think the mid-range plan is very practical right now. I think the mid-range plan is going to get super wrecked. You either got to try to be more controlling and have enough counters that you can stop Epiphany, or you got to try to be, as Richard said, really aggressive and try to get in under it. Is it good to have a meta where mid-range is not really a viable option? I don't know. I think in a perfect world, mid-range would be viable. But at the same time, oh, we got another set coming. And green can be a little mid-rangey, like Azika's Chariot into Ren in seven. Like that's kind of mid-range feeling. So I could see I could see that being maybe, maybe white's the aggro deck, green's the mid-range deck, and then Epiphany's the control deck, and we got rock, paper, scissors, sort of, kind of. I I think we need stacks. Like with with the power level of combo decks slash control decks in in standard we need stacks to even the battlefield right like we need to like stop the double spell right like a thalia effect like a good thalia effect right uh you know if you want to be very specific you can make like opposition agent for extra turns right but like you you need ways to slow people down to prevent them from comboing uh which is what we have in older formats where combos are actually a thing right like you you can you slow down the game for them so that you know your actual two mana three threes can actually get in and kill them in time, uh, but we don't have that in standard. There's no real way to kind of interact. Like you know the epiphany's coming, but you can't do much. You just gotta kill them before it comes. Like you can't slow them down. You can't even like duress it nowadays. Uh, but if you had like Thalia's, if you had uh, Aethersworn Canonists, like things like that, you could slow them down such that you can actually get there with like dirtily creatures. So something else I wanted to ask you about about worlds, a little bit off the topic of the meta in specific, is uh, is the viewership. We had 50,000 people-ish watching on the main channel on Sunday. There were also like co-streams where various uh, people were streaming with their audience. There were also streams in other languages. So the number is somewhat higher than that. And I did a bit of digging back at Old Pass tournaments. This was at a minimum the most people watching a Magic tournament since February 2020. So that's uh, all almost two years ago now, more than a year and a half ago. And before that is when we had all the embedded streams. So views were really wonky and it was really hard to know how many actual people were watching and how much of it was like kind of advertising, bumping up the views. So this might be one of the most watched tournaments of the entire arena era, actually. Like this was a huge viewership number for Magic. Do you think this matters? Does this change anything? Like organized play, still hasn't really been announced. We know the MPL's ending. We don't really know what the future is going to hold. Does getting a big number like this for Worlds show Wizards at all that organized play, competitive magic, streaming competitive magic on Twitch, having GPs or Pro Tours or whatever, something, does it show Wizards that there's an appetite for that and people are going to support it? Like, does this increase the odds that we get some sort of sweet organized play system coming out in the hopefully not super distant future? I, I don't know, like maybe, but it took worlds. It, it, it had to be worlds, right? Like to finally get people to tune in. That's true. You can't do worlds every, yeah, every like, weekend at it, like a GP. Like this is a once a year huge thing. So that, that is a, that is a fair point. I, I wonder if it's accidental. The number is so high that I, I call it into question. Like were they embedding? Uh, is it the perfect storm where someone like came to watch like League of Legends World, so they type worlds in Twitch and then magic showed up and they're like, ah, I guess I'll <laughs> watch <accidentally>. magic. <laughs> right? Like it's it was kind of out of nowhere and very high for such a small tournament. Like, I mean it's a big tournament, but it's like a small player pool, right? Uh and like if I recall correctly, like back in the day, like the the new set release pro tours like usually outdid worlds. Like worlds was kind of like pretty uh, pretty underwatched compared to the other stuff at, in the heyday. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little curious uh, if the numbers are actually indeed correct. I, I, I don't know that Wizards is forward thinking enough to actually like take advantage of it. Like, you know, like coming off the back of their arena, like paid botting, like, you know, 100,000 views, they didn't really do anything with it, right? They didn't really snowball that into anything more. Uh, and they kind of actually just started cutting organized play. So I, I don't know if this is enough for them or, you know, maybe they're just like worlds is where it's at and we just do worlds once a year and call it a day. Um, but I, I can't see uh, like the Grand Prix circuit coming back or something because of this. But maybe they try to do like more arena style like leagues or something like, you know, like GPs, but on arena. Yeah, I mean, 
I think that there's there's got to be something there. And uh, I do think the number is probably legitimate. Like maybe they were on the front page of Twitch at some point, which is still legitimate, but that would boost the views to some extent. Uh, but we had like we've had tournaments in the past year, some of them that have gotten in the mid 30,000s or something. They haven't all been just huge flops like Caldheim Championship Finals had 39K as its peak. So going up to like 50 doesn't seem like a huge stretch, although it is a really big number for Magic. I'm hoping that Wizards gets the message that people do care and that they should at least do something, even if it's subsidizing Channel Fireball or Star City or some other tournament organizer to do some sort of series. Like there are people that are going to watch it. And I have to think that 50,000 people watching is enough to make it worthwhile. Like, I don't know. I tend to think this is important to the future of organized play, at least to some extent. Like, it's much better than doing Worlds and having it be 10,000 people or some of the MPL numbers that we saw where they did this huge MPL thing and would have 3,000 people watching on Twitch, which individual Magic streamers were getting. So I feel like this was a win for Magic streaming. Whether or not it has the long-term effect that I'm hoping for, I guess, remains to be seen. But I do think it at least, you know, nudges things a little bit in that direction. If Wizards was on the fence, like, are we going to even do organized play? Seeing a big number like this would have to be at least, you know, a check mark on the pro side of the argument. So I'm hopeful that we get some sort of organized play announcement and that we do have future tournaments like this because it was actually really sweet. And to some extent, it felt like an old pro tour. We had Reddit talking about it. We had Twitter talking about it. There was the community as a whole, it seemed, uh, embraced this event. And it happened on a weekend with football going on. It happened with League of Legends Worlds going on. There was a lot going on, and a lot of people did make the time to watch this event. So I think it is a little bit more hopeful for the future of organized play now compared to where it was, you know, a week or two ago. Uh, so I, I'm hoping that maybe something good comes out of this. So counterpoint, Seth. We still don't have spectator mode. <laughs> Right. If Wizards was yes. actually going to invest in any of this, don't you think the first thing they would have done is made spectator mode so I don't have to watch someone streaming with potato internet and like, you know, five FPS? Like, why, why don't we have spectator I, mode, right? Like, if we're uh, actually going to invest in esports and make esports, you know, like the fact that we still don't have it and we haven't heard a peep from it tells me like they're not willing to invest much more into sports. I mean, I will say... We talked about how League of Legends Worlds was also going on this weekend, and I was a little bit jealous watching just like my Twitter feed over the weekend. Some of the stuff uh, for League of Legends Worlds was uh, was pretty sweet. They had like Little Nas X doing songs about it in videos and just it was on a whole different level. And that's not to say that Magic and Magic Esports should or could ever get to League of Legends level, but there is a pretty stark difference between like League of Legends world, which seems like a an actual thing, even almost outside of the esports community. It's almost broken mainstream to some extent. When Magic Worlds, yeah, it was a big thing for the Magic community, but it certainly isn't something where we have like some of the most famous, you know, artists doing songs about it or something and posting it on their social media. So Ah, I don't know. It was a weird weekend. Like, I felt like it was good for Magic. But then at the same time, I got to see real esports and the sort of reaction that, you know, a top level biggest esport, one of the biggest esports in the world gets from doing their worlds. And we aren't even in the same, you know, galaxy. I don't think oh, no. at this point. A nor- something our like worlds is like a normal event. For like some of the esports at home, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are the Kirkland brand of esports currently. Yes. Uh, so, so any other world's thoughts before we move on and talk about a couple other things? All right. So we got some interesting news from Mark Rosewater's blog this week, uh, which involved Ixalot. And someone asked Mark, what was uh, the last set that really underperformed? And Mark said that it was Ixalan block. That was the last time that they had a set that majorly underperformed. And I thought that was actually really interesting. So obviously, Ixalan was a few years ago now. It has a reputation of being pretty underpowered. And it made me wonder, do you think the failure of Ixalan 
is part of what led to the huge power creep we saw, like starting a year or 18 months later. If you think about the amount of time it takes for Wizards to design a set, it seems like it's, you know, a year and a half or something. They're working on a set that's going to come out a year and a half, two years from now. The timing would kind of line up that they would get the the numbers on Ixalan and see this big failure and maybe be like, okay, we, we can't do this again. We can't have a set that's so underpowered because apparently players don't like it and they're not going to buy it if we have this really underpowered block. And then they just push the power level super, super high. Am I making connections that aren't there? Or do you think that the the failure of Innistrad from a sales perspective is part of what led to Corset 2020, Eldorain, all the crazy power creep that we saw, you know, a little while after? I, I think that Eldrain. I mean, uh, like, I, I do think that there is a little bit of that. There's a little bit of that for sure. <laughs> because let's be honest here. Holy cow was that set was bad. <laughs> like that set was real bad. Uh, Ixalan that is. So, I mean, I, I pine for the days where actually, no, I, I still hate Carnage Tyrant. Uh, but the thing here is that <laughs> that card is still miserable. However, yeah, like that, that was such a bad format that I'm not surprised it was their big failure. And on top of that, like that, I wouldn't be surprised if that's why we had a power creep. I think so. Power creep is the easy solution, right? Like if you if you don't know what to do, just like pump the numbers and it will sell. Just like you have a master set, like throw some fetches in there and you're and you're solved, right? Like we we can always fix it with that. I I don't know if it was actually the problem though. Like I I still contend that power level is not what makes magic entertaining. Right. Like people still play limited after playing standard or they play limited after playing vintage. Right. You don't all like discard standard because modern is more powerful. Right. Like, you know, you can still have fun with lower power. So to me, maybe it's like the themes, like the thematically, the world, uh, what they did with the creatures. Like maybe they expected dinosaurs to carry hard or something, but <laughs> people weren't having green merfolk, right? Like green, like you think merfolk, you don't think green, right? So they, they added this and maybe that didn't jive with people and they didn't care. Like, you know, normally vampires and merfolk and stuff would be very popular, but they don't seem very popular from this set. So maybe it's because vampires aren't supposed to be white. I, I don't know, right? Or maybe it's kind of the aesthetics of the world. I, so I, maybe it's just all of them combined, right? So I'm I'm not sure, yeah. but I'm not a hundred percent like sold that it's just power level. Yeah, I mean, I guess. <sighs> I don't know. I think it's got to be at least partly power level. It seems like, in general, there's at least a little bit of correlation. I mean, like, Dragon's Maze was also not very powerful, and it seems to be pretty widely disliked. Kamigawa, not very powerful. I know it has a cult following now, but it's also, like, if you look at Wizards, the numbers that they show, various, like, storm scale type stuff, is generally not considered to be a super powerful plane. So I think there's some correlation, and it seems like dinosaurs pirates that seems like a winner right when you think about the theme if you said just those things that seems like the kind of stuff that people would maybe buy a set for but i don't know maybe maybe it's actually not i it feels like you could do ixalan and have those same themes and have the same tribes and have it be successful but I don't know, maybe people just really don't like dinosaurs or really don't care about pirates or the colors of the vampires, as Richard said. So I think it's interesting that they actually said, though, that it was a failure. Maybe it's been long enough now that they feel comfortable saying that. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I guess the good news is sets have apparently sold pretty well since then. Uh, and those sets have been, in general, pretty powerful. So... I guess we'll see what the what the future of standard holds. I'm waiting for the economy downturn, and then we're gonna get like black lotuses in standard. <laughs> we're, I mean, yeah. Oh, also, this is unrelated news, but I think Mark Rosewater also this week, or maybe it was a week before, pretty much said like, "Stop asking about the reserve list." <laughs> I've done, I've done. I think he said, "I've done everything I can." I've asked everyone. Like, we've tried to do this. It's not gonna happen. You will be happier if you just come to grips with that, essentially, and just come to grips with the fact that the reserve list is never going away. So uh, I don't know if we get little literal black lotus, but uh, but yeah, I definitely see what you're saying there. Anyway, I don't think we have any other big topics for today. The only other quick thing I want to mention is we got another sweet APAC promo, a uh, Year of the Ox promotion with an Angrath Flame Chained. So uh, 
I don't know how you get those from uh, outside of the APAC region, but it is a pretty cool looking Angrath Flame Chain promo. So anyway, let's uh, let's answer some fish mail. I think we got some good fish mail questions this week. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishmails. Fish mail, plural, singular, singular, <laughs> not plural. Uh, and we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, Felix747. I'm 14 years old and I'm trying to get into competitive play. I quickly realized that any online tournament with any sort of cash prize is age restricted. For me, who's gone as far uh, as I can with Arena and FNM, uh, number one mythic and winning FNM, it is extremely frustrating. Do you guys worry about MTG's competitive future if the younger generation is shut out of tournaments? And what about Magic's future in general? Most kids who play Magic aren't invested in the long run. So actually, quick question before we answer this fish mail. Do either of you know why anyone under 18, I believe it is, is essentially banned from playing tournaments? I've seen this come up a couple times where players have like qualified for something and then found out that they couldn't actually play because they're not old enough. Like, is this common in other similar games or I don't know why? Why is there this age restriction for playing arena tournaments? You know, I think it just has to do with the fact that there's money involved. Right. Like there, if it weren't for that, would it really matter? Yeah. Like I, but you don't even so, have to so, pay anything. So this is a common thing. Right. Like, for example, I know like in like other esports, like players are ineligible to join the league until they hit a certain age. So you have like these young kid prodigies that are like just waiting to hit the right age to be able to join the league. Um, I, But I, I don't know. Right. Because we have special laws for uh people under 18 like kids right like like even like youtube and stuff they have like different things right if you make a video for kids you follow a completely different set of rules right so i think it's somewhat related to that about like earning money and getting parental consent or something and and i don't know if people are just being lazy like you know you could accept kids but they don't want to go through the extra work of doing the extra steps or if there's actually something like in the law that makes it dicey for them and they don't want to actually do it. It exposes them to some risk, but I don't think it's specific to this. Like I've seen this in other esports and other things, uh, but I don't know what the, the greater issue is. Okay. So, so it's not just a magic thing then. Cause I think, Obviously, I would like it if people who were, I don't know, 13 plus or four to like pick some age in there where if you're under 18, but over a certain age with your like parents approval or whatever permission, you would still be able to to play in events because I do think it's important to get younger people into the game. And the way that's going to happen is probably through Magic Arena and you want to be able to go to that next step and Arena is kind of lacking that next step if you can't play in the tournaments. So I wish there was a way that that could uh, happen. As far as being concerned about the overall future of competitive play, it's definitely something that we're concerned about, We're uh, that I'm concerned about. We were talking about it earlier. We don't even really know what's happening with competitive Magic or if there will be official competitive magic and organized play going forward. So I think the fact that the younger generation might be getting shut out to some extent is part of that concern. But there, from my perspective, are a whole bunch of reasons to be a little bit nervous about what's going on with organized play, just because we we don't know. We don't know what the future of competitive magic looks like. And it's been a few months and we haven't really heard an update. And I know we still got pandemic stuff and it's not like Wizards could just announce GP starting up, you know, next week or something like yeah, that's probably not practical, but it would be nice to hear some sort of news about this what would you say to felix in specific felix wants to play competitive magic he's at the pinnacle of what he can currently do on arena what's the next step for felix if he wants to keep you know progressing as a magic player oh you know i think at that point my recommendation is to just keep grinding it out playing the tournaments just have fun with it worry about the the tournament circuit until something can actually be improved like for right now, there it's just out of your control, unfortunately. And all you can do is just enjoy the game long enough until you are of age to play at a competitive level. Like even even, even as a kid, you know, like I, I feel like there's tons of others out there that are under the the whatever the required age right now that are just playing to play the game until they can go more pro with it. You can be like the kid prodigy. That'll that'll be like a narrative they'll spin. On your turn, your next big tournament entry. Yeah, so I I think this is something like related to online, right? Because uh, we know that people under eighteen can play in grand prix, right? Like we have Dana Fisher and you know like mm-hmm. other 
people under 18. And then like, I know when I used to play PTQs and local tournaments, like we, you know, there were people under 18 playing all the time. Right. So you have to wait for the online scene to catch up. And then I guess wait for tabletop paper magic to wait, come back. Online scene, like the same mo- the people that run moto and we're still waiting for that to catch up. My dog's yeah. even <laughs> waiting for it to catch up. Like, like, I wonder if it's an official, like, arena open. Is it age-restricted? Or is it only, uh, like... Yes. Oh, it is? Okay. Well, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, it says arena open. I was just actually looking up, uh, this up as we were talking. You got to be 18 or the legal age of majority in your uh, in your jurisdiction. So, I guess if the, the age of majority is different in your country uh, than it is in the, the U.S., then that would, also, that would also be fine. Yeah, like... Yeah, to me, so I think it's something to do with like online and kid protection or something. Like, because like if it's an official uh, Wizards tournament, they allow people under 18 to play at Grand Prix, right? So why would they disallow for Arena? I mean, we have very famous examples of people who are like eight or 10 or 12, like making content and going to to Grand Prix. So we know that it's fine in paper. I also am very curious and I haven't been able to find the answer to this, but I wonder if it's the same on Magic Online. Like, can you play leagues on Magic Online? I assume so. Like, I assume uh, that you would be able to do it, but I don't know. I don't know what the restrictions are there because I was thinking maybe that was a, a potential workaround to play on Magic Online instead of Magic Arena, but I would have to uh, try to confirm the the terms of service for magic online as well it's weird because it's 13 and up like that's what they market it to so there's got to be something with online that we're just not seeing some legality or issue or whatever that's that's keeping this from happening that's for uh, that's for playing for fun seth you can play for fun if you're 39 if you're playing competitively you need to be at least 18 to handle like the trauma that's coming your way (laughs) yeah the the multifours on your like (laughs) you know lower bracket like do or die matches like ball to five ball to five okay cool i'm going home Uh, all right. Uh, next question. A a palpicle. Pretty sure you guys should do a Street Fighter. Oh, you should, should go with Street Fighter for movie night. I'd be happy to donate my DVD to the cause. Oh no. <laughs> okay. I'm actually very <laughs> not, curious. Not I, I want to rewatch Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> not that DVD, please. It's got to be good. Uh, it's a little concerning. That the that the person sending us a fish mail is so eager to get rid of such a such an amazing DVD <laughs> yeah. um, that makes me a little bit a little bit nervous. Do DVDs but, uh, even exist? That's my question. Are we getting VHS? I don't remember how old this movie is. <laughs> so, what would be the what would be the best uh, movie night movie we could do? We're, we're we've been talking about Dungeons doing this for Dragons. a couple weeks now. Dungeons. Okay. Okay. I've never seen that. Uh, wait, I forgot. Is it so bad that it's good or is it just so bad that it's bad? It's so bad. It's just flat out bad. Like, <laughs> no, it doesn't even <laughs> cross into the entertaining threshold. Um, I don't know what. I don't know. Uh, you have to ask chat. What's what's like an old movie that people would want to watch? Uh, yeah, well, we'll have to do a poll. We'll have to. Maybe I'll put it. Let us know in the comments if you're listening to this uh, on on Twitter and you or on uh, YouTube and you can actually comment or on Twitter if you see the tweet. Let us know what would your choice be for a goldfish movie night. What movie should we watch? How about how about a fish movie? Is there a movie about like giant oh, fish? Uh, Finding, Finding Nemo. Nemo. Oh, Finding Nemo. <laughs> Jaws. Uh, Big fish. There's a few. Oh, all right. Big Fish is actually pretty good. Self shoots. In your last episode, Richard spoke about how there is no trash talk. I would say that player storylines are boring because everyone is the good guy. Do you think the magic community would ever allow the existence of a heel that's not a cheater? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what about allegedly <laughs> cheating but not confirmed? I... I I don't think it could happen. I think that's one of those ideas that sounds really good. And I even agree that it'd be really good. It would be interesting to have a heel. But um, I don't know. People tend to get really riled up. And I imagine that it would probably end poorly in our current our current era in social media. Like, I just couldn't imagine it actually actually working out very well. But like what? Like being a heel? What's wrong? I mean, I. 
I don't, I, I don't know. My experience with magic social media is it's really easy to accidentally be the heel when you are not even trying to be the heel and you're just trying to comment and then you have a lot of people get really upset. Maybe it would be different if people were like playing a role and it was like a WWF thing and it was like LSV is the heel or something and everyone thinks that LSV is actually like, you know, a good guy, but he's just like playing this role. I don't know if that would work as well, but I imagine like if people were trash talking, it would end with people getting uh, pretty offended and upset and it would be taken in the wrong way rather than being taken as, oh, it's all in, you know, good fun and part of the game or for entertainment. But that would be my guess like, is that it would be really hard to actually pull. What off. about like so so WWE? I think everyone's accepted that these are all characters. Right. But like what about like NFL or like NBA or something where you have people that uh, like either they straight up talk trash or, you know, they're very confident slash arrogant in the way they comment about other people. Like, what about those kind of I mean, I mean, uh, so I'm basing this on, like, <laughs> saying the GG emote and then casting a cello record. <laughs> like, that is enough to make the entire community ah, freak out. Like, <laughs> like, if that is enough to cause a huge freak out, imagine, like, I, I'm imagining a WWE heel or some of the trash talk. Like, a lot of my brothers play sports and people can get pretty into the trash talking and think of it as all part of the game, but say some pretty over the top stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know if I could imagine it working out well in the, in the magic community. I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, do you think it would go okay to have a heel? Definitely not. I mean, yeah, like (laughs) somebody trash talking already sets people off pretty hard. Right. So I I think we need a heel. I, I, I think like, I think it's just a big deal because people don't speak freely today. Right. So when someone does, then it, it looks like pretty bad. But like, I think it makes it entertaining, right? Like to have storylines and, you know, like you need to be able to take it. So when you talk smack and then you lose, then, yeah, you need to eat your words. Right. Like you can't just like cry about it and whatever afterwards. Right. But I think that adds the entertainment value. So I actually think we do need that. Right. And, you know, like I, I would like someone to say like. I'm the better player than this guy. I, I multiplied twice and lost, right? <laughs> like, you know, like I, I want someone to actually say something like that, right? Or like, you know, I, I should have won, right? And they got lucky. Like, like very mild, like not even like full out trash talk, right? But like no one ever says that, right? They're like, oh, you know, I'm sorry you multiplied. Like, nah, right? You were so happy you multiplied, right? <laughs> like, like, come on. Like, we all know you're just trying to, like, look respectful, right? But we all know that you are very pleased your opponent is going to five <laughs> cards or four cards, and you are very pleased that he's on a one-lander, right? Like, yeah, I mean, ideally, he'd have, like, a full, you know, a full board and you'd beat him, but you'll take the free win. You'll take the free win, right? But no one says any of that, right? No one says any of that. GG easy, little, noob. Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah some, some fist pumps every mulligan. Yeah. Just like, yes, yes. <laughs> Keep going. Keep or or go. getting, more, getting in their more. face like, ooh, you missed the land drop, scrub. <laughs> like, like, would you actually look actually, down on someone if they did that? Like, no, you, not at all. No, I, I, I team like Twitter all the would time. have like a field day initially, right? But you're like, oh well, yeah, it's it's normal, right? And it'd be refreshing to see an actual authentic take here, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. like honestly, it people may not like it. It may feel bad when it happens to them. But like, what do I love about watching football? And what do I love about basketball? When they score a touchdown, they celebrate, they dance on the defender. Or when you get dunked on in basketball, oh, man, and they, do, they do the stare down. Like, oh, dude, that's sick, right? Like, I mean, it sucks to have it happen to you, but, like, it's hilarious. And and you know what? If it, I, I teabag all the time when I play FPS. It's like Valorant. I still, like, honestly, if I'm not getting that hip work in, you know what I mean? Like, after I kill you in a game, I'm, I'm not playing the game right. So I, I, I want it. I want it so bad. Like. Like, that's what I want to see in Magic. I would I would really enjoy it, too. I think, have you ever watched really old Magic tournaments, like mid-90s when they were just like starting what, the tournament scene? Like, tournament? Yes. Technically, like, that's Theros, 11 years ago. Theros era. <laughs> but no, like, the early, early days, like the first Pro Tours, the way they did coverage back then was really interesting. This was like the MT, uh, MTV era, where they were actually broadcasting Magic tournaments on MTV, and they would have the players.
players mic'd up and you would have like Mike Lonham was actually kind of hilarious and I know he was a cheater and he was actually kind of the heel of the early era but he actually was cheating as well but he was always just like talking to his opponents and he would like stand on his chair and just it was super like it was really interesting to watch I found my I was watching this game from 25 years ago that has no actual impact on my life and I was super entertained because the players were entertaining you could hear them talking and kind of like messing around with each other and it was very entertaining compared to what we have now and I don't know how you do that in arena tournaments when you just have two people that are by themselves in a room on a webcam but in paper tournaments I think that uh, there's some stuff you could just do structurally that would help make it more personal and more interesting as well like miking up the players as they talk through the game like I think that would actually be really entertaining but go check out there's some of the matches on YouTube of the early years of magic tournaments and it's so much different than today and I think way more entertaining to watch (laughs) I I need to see the video where he's standing on his chair is he like taunting or like what is going on like he kind of like perches on it i think it might be so he could hide cards underneath himself easier but he kind of like perches with his feet on the chair like a like a bird almost and he like yeah it's it's so it's so so strange but yeah it's there's also an mtg commercial that they did where uh they're pretty they're pretty brutal to each other like they're just kind of like oh he's so good and this guy you know he's so horrible and uh, it used to be a lot rougher and a lot more healy in the early days of magic and uh it's a it's really uh, much more tame today i think as far as coverage and pros and i don't know it definitely was more entertaining in the old days yeah i mean it's also a tabletop versus arena thing right like you can't do the like slide the card off the top of your library and like take a peek right or the <laughs> uh the, the the ultimatum the nasif ultimatum right like you can't do that stuff on arena it just like happens so some some of that presentation is gone as well yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. A Winter 105, has Seth ever considered returning to old against the odd decks that went 5-0 or 05 and go back and try them against the current meta? I'm currently tweaking abs and toughness to work in the current modern meta as it's one of my favorite against the odds decks. That's something I have wondered about a lot, if that's something people are interested in. For the most part, I have tried to not reuse too many cards, at least in the same format for against the odds. But we've, we're on episode, I don't even know, 300 and something. So we've used a lot of really sweet against the odds cards and hit some really sweet decks in the past. So I think that that could be a good plan for the future, revisiting and updating some of the some of the old decks from the past because a lot has changed. Like if, compared to five years ago or whatever, when we were first starting the series, there's so many different cards. The meta is so different. There are so many additions to the deck. So I think it could be fun to go back in uh, and revisit some of the old decks. And that's another way that some of these like classic against odds cards can get in get another chance like and i'm sure there's some people who probably didn't even see the original episode five years ago and have started following the content since then so i think that's a sweet idea and i'll probably try to do it more uh, moving forward revisiting some old against odds decks all right last question at kuji do you think if most content creators started actively seeking out and promoting pro magic tournaments on their own uh, and watching them, it would get their communities more interested as well, along with Watsi making changes you guys suggested. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, I think that that would definitely help get more people interested, although there also needs to be like tournaments to promote and watch with your <laughs> audience for that to happen. So it goes it goes both ways to some extent. And I think part of the problem is. A lot of the most recent, uh, the MPL just ended up being disastrous in a whole bunch of different ways, but a lot of it, I don't know, just I didn't find personally very entertaining to watch. A lot of it was like pre-recorded, which was weird. And like the whole system of how they did coverage for MPL just I don't think was ideal. But I think if they can bring back tournaments, things like Worlds or Pro Tours or even GP level tournaments, I think, yeah, that uh, content producers could do a lot to help get more people interested in those events and watching those events. Part of the problem, I think, is schedule. Right. Because there is no schedule and it's like literally like a 12 hour block where you're like, come watch magic with me. Like with other um, esports, you can be like, OK, there's a certain match going on and we know like match length is usually like 45 minutes. And then we can all congregate and watch and stream it and then talk about it. Uh, whereas with magic, it's like hard to figure out when a match is starting. Like, you know, let's you know, let's follow Apollo. When's his next match? Like unknown. Right. So I I think part of it is like scheduling and content 
like how the content is actually broken down. But definitely, you know, if content creators love competitive magic, then their communities will just naturally love it, right? But it needs to be authentic, right? Like it, competitive magic needs to be good enough such that the content creators actually want to watch it. Uh, and, and then, play. you know, they'll naturally promote it, right? But if you're just forcing them to watch it for whatever reason, like it's not good, meta stale, production's not good, then it's going to be not authentic, right? And it's going to come across and it's going to flop. So I think the answer still is like make it good. <laughs> make it good and then people <laughs> will watch it. And some of those people will be content creators, right? And then it'll kind of just you know, spread like that. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm an example for this, or maybe we're an example of this. We used to do a lot of coverage of like pro tours when there were actual pro tours and stay up all night watching them and tweeting about them and doing articles and trying to do guesstimate deck lists. And then the world just kind of changed as far as the kind of tournaments that there were and then even the existence of tournaments. So I think that I would definitely personally love to support and help promote, you know, pro magic because I really love watching it. But as you said, there uh, there has to be something there that's worth promoting to start with. And we just haven't had that the last couple of years for the most part. All right. Uh, so that's all the fish mail we have for this week. Thank you to everyone who sent in questions. If you have questions, send them to at MT Goldfish with the hashtag MG Fish Mail. We'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 350 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Cribb, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, everyone, have a spectacular week. And this is a crew signing out. Bye.